0: Turn with me, please, We have two portions of Scripture. And the first one is in Isaiah chapter 64, rather, Isaiah 64. Isaiah 64. And we read these verses last week. We have two portions to read. Isaiah 64, verse 1. O that thy wouldest rend the heavens, that thy wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down thy presence. I think I'm a wee bit boomy, Amma. I can just hear myself in my ears here, please. Thank you. As when the melting fire burneth, the fire causeth the waters to boil, to make thy name known to thine adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence, when thou didst terrible things which the fire, with which we look not for, Thou camest down, the mountains flow down at thy presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard, nor perceived by the ear, neither hath I seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. Thou meetest him that rejoiceth, and worketh righteousness. Those that remember thee in thy ways, behold, thou art wroth, for we have sinned. And those is thy continuance, and we shall be saved. But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind, have taken us away. And there is none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee, for thou hast hid thy face from us, and hast consumed us because. Of our iniquities. Our second reading is in Isaiah also, chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6, please. And again, we'll begin to read, beginning to read at verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord, sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain. He covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips." For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. Keep your Bible open. We'll be referring to this and other portions of Scripture as the evening progresses. But let's pray. Father, thank you for your Spirit. Thank you for your Word. Thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus. Thank you for the blood of the Lamb. Now take your Word and inscribe it upon every heart and imprint it upon every mind and help every single one of us to see your holiness and your glory. To see ourselves and how much, Lord, We need Thee, and Your grace in our lives, strength of God within us, Lord. And we ask You, Father, to fortify Your children and convict those who know not Your Son of their sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And we pray, Father, that You would do a mighty work in this place and a mighty work in this village and a mighty work in our land and in our nation. We pray, Lord, that You would do a mighty work in this earth. We ask it all, leaving it in Your hands. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. A quick recap of last week. Isaiah the prophet, he's a man who cries with a desperate heart over a desperate people. He's crying for Israel, and Israel at this time have been separated for some years into two kingdoms, the northern house and the southern house of Israel and Judah, uh, respectively. And he's crying because Israel, the The people who are called Israel are the northern kingdom of the Ten Tribes, and they have a capital city in Samaria. And they have had a line of wicked, ungodly kings. And all sorts of worship has happened, and all sorts of false gods have come in, and all sorts of sin and debauchery has happened in the nation. And you'll see it even today that we haven't changed much, that Britain is exactly the same today, and the United States and all of those uh, even if you want, most of the Western nations have fallen into deep decline and into sin. And here we find that we see that there's a man called Isaiah, sent from God, and he's, he gets a vision of Christ. He gets a vision of Almighty God. He gets a vision of Him on a throne, high and lifted up, and a train filling the temple, and seraphims worshiping Him on the left hand on the, and on the right, crying unto Him with two or twain of their wings, they cover their face and with twain they cover their feet and with twain or two wings they did fly. And these burning fiery zeal, these uh, flickers of flame of angelic presence are ready to move at the very word of God. The command of the Lord to them means that they burn with a zeal ready to carry out God's will. Crying and worshiping around the throne, and this man, Isaiah, sees it. And then that's in chapter 6 In chapter 64. We read of Isaiah then crying unto the Lord, Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down. Notice what he says from a, a desperation in his heart, a desperate cry over a desperate people who have desperately sinned and desperately fallen away from God. And he's crying mainly to Judah, but looking toward Israel, who are ready to go into captivity. And he sees the enemy gathering around the people. He sees the devil-inspired worship in the land. He sees all the things that are happening. And he's realizing, Lord, if you don't show them their sin if you don't come and convict them of their sin, if you don't show up, Holy Ghost, nothing will happen. And isn't it true even today that if God the Holy Ghost does not show up, and if he does not come to convince and to convict of sin, nothing will happen to the heart of that man and that woman. And our nation is falling apart our nation is going deeper into the depths of sin. And as I said last week, we look at Ezekiel 38, mentioning Gog and Magog, which is Russia, and, and the house of Tagarma, Turkey and all of his bands. And we're looking at all this conglomerate with Persia, which is Iran. Even today, gathering strength together, ready to come against the land of Israel and eventually against you and I here in the West. And in these sort of days that we're living in, we're told that the ships of Tarshish and all the young lions thereof, that's Britain and the Commonwealth of Nations, will come against them as they move toward the land of Israel. Britain and America will be involved and they will fight a great war. And but for the return of Christ, this planet will become a smoldering, smoking cinder floating in the universe. So Isaiah is actually crying here in a minuscule part for the nation at his time, as you and I should be crying, in a minuscule part for our nation at this time, but in a greater part for the world at this time. Britain has fallen. When we see the false gods and the temples and the mosques and the idolatry, and we see the wickedness and the cruelty, and we see man's heart, and we see the depths of their depravity, and we see what they can do and the way, they can, the way they're leading our nation and the monetary banking system that's crippling us, turning us into slaves. That's what we are, and that's what our nation has become. We see uh, people who are murderers or or terrorists or rapists or pedophiles and, and a couple of years here and a slap on the wrist there and they're getting off with all of these crimes and they think God doesn't see it. But God sees it all and God knows it all. And every tear that has fallen from a child or a woman who has fallen victim to these evil beasts, they will answer for it when Christ returns. Here we have a nation in deep despair and depravity. And Isaiah is saying from a desperate heart, he's crying, Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens and that thou wouldest come down. So should be the cry of you and I. But the, the, the fearful thing for our loved ones who are unsaved, the fearful things for the wayward Christian, the backslider, The fearful thing in all of this is this. The fearful thing for the heart who has wandered off from God. The fearful thing is that most commentators believe that this cry is a messianic prophecy, that he's crying for Messiah to come. But I've got to tell you, the Messiah has come. He did come. He shed his blood for you and I, that we may be redeemed back to God and that we would be reconciled, forgiven of our sins, justified in his sight, clothed in his righteousness, washed in the blood of Jesus. Here we have him crying. But here, what they're looking for, Isaiah is crying that God would come. And now commentators think that it really means the second coming of Christ through the spirit of prophecy. Imagine Christ coming and finding our nation the way it is tonight. Imagine Christ coming tonight and finding some Christians the way they are tonight. How would we stand in his presence? Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down. It is a a cry of desperation from Isaiah 64. But when we went into Isaiah chapter 6, and he sees the Lord high and lifted up on a throne, and and these seraphims are worshiping him, we're told that at the sight of the vision that he's had, that Isaiah opens up from his heart, and he cries something else. Woe is me, he cries think about it. Woe is me. But you're going to be a prophet. Woe is me. But are you not related to the temple? Woe is me, he cries, for I am undone. Now, we spent much time looking at that last week, how he felt when he stood before God. But the word woe, when he cries, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Notice For mine eyes, his realization. His eyes were opened when he seen Christ on the throne. His realization of the holiness of God. His realization, the illumination, the regeneration of Isaiah was that he seen almighty God. And in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, he started to feel like he was going to die. He started to feel... That he was destined for doom. That's the way it reads. Oh, woe is me. It's a cry of despair. It gives the idea of a passionate cry of grief. That's the way the Hebrew reads. That Isaiah stands and he sees Christ with these blazing seraphims crying holy, holy, holy to him. And Isaiah sees his depravity. The depravity of his nature. The old rottenness of the flesh. That old death. See, our flesh, it just speaks of death. But thank God when Jesus comes, and when Jesus comes again, that he is going to cause this body to live again. And he is going to change this vile body. He is going to change this corruptible to be incorruptible. He's going to change this mortal to be immortal for all who are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work on Calvary's cross, washed in the blood of the Lamb. He comes and this death will be swallowed up in victory. But he senses his death looming through his mortal members and he cries with a passionate cry of grief. Woe is me, he cries, for I am undone. It's so polite, the word undone. The word undone is the word damam. And it means I am silenced. I have nothing to say. I have no cause. I have no defense. There's no words in my mouth to try and defend my ways, actions, thoughts, words, or deeds, my nature that's in me. And he's saying, Lord, I have nothing to stand on. So I'll stand and shut my mouth. That's what he's saying. I'll keep quiet before you. I'm going to die. I'm falling apart. You're going to consume me. The idea here is that not only does it mean he is silenced, that means he's going to be destroyed, he's going to perish, and God has cut him off. You know why? Because he was a sinner. And we need to get real. We're fantasies and fairy tales and whimsical, wishful thinking of Floating clouds in white suits and angels' wings and harps and halos and floating or wafting to heaven in a hand basket Isn't everything beautiful? The man and the woman outside of Christ will be like this in the presence of God. We looked at how Job, when he saw the Lord. He says, I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now, when I see thee, he cried, I abhor myself. I abhor myself. His holiness and my humanity, my depravity, I abhor myself. We looked at Daniel, who fell with his face in the dust of the ground as though he were dead. This is Daniel, the man greatly beloved. We looked at him, and it took God to lay his hand on him and to lift him up, just like the tongues were taken and lifted alive coal from off the altar and placed on Isaiah's lips. It takes God to lift us up. It takes a moving, a miracle, a working of God in the life to save and to restore and to redeem Just like Peter as he fell before the Lord and says, Depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. Or or like John, the revelator in Revelation 1 and 17, he says, And when I saw him, this is John who laid on Jesus' breast at supper, heard the heartbeat of Christ. This is John who who, who walked with him and talked with him, who, who heard him teaching and prayed with him. This is John who was given the mother of Jesus, Mary, over that John might look after her at the cross. And this same man, the man who, who, who is known as the apostle of love, has seen the resurrected Jesus. Then the Lord has ascended into the heavens, but now on Patmos, he sees a glorified Jesus. And this glorified Lord Jesus Christ is an awesome sight to behold, and John turns and says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. That is the reality of things to do with Christ. Now let's get serious about the things of God, and sisters, and friends. Let's get serious, for there is a God in heaven, and one day we will all stand before him. John says, I fell, at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me and says, Fear not, blessed touch of the master. So here we have, last week, we looked at this and how we asked the question to finish up with, how will you do when you stand before him? Think about it. First Peter 4 and 18 says, If the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? If the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? So Isaiah in Isaiah 64 is crying, Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. I see the term at thy presence, three times it's mentioned in three verses there. In verse 1 it says, That the mountains might flow down at thy presence. In verse 2, it says that the nations may tremble at thy presence. And in verse 3, it says that the mountains flowed down. That's past tense, at thy presence. Three times, it's your presence, Lord. It's your presence, Lord, we need If your presence isn't here, nothing happens. If your presence isn't here, it's a social club. If your presence isn't here, it's a bless me club. If God's Holy Spirit is not in a meeting, then all we're doing is going through ritual and ceremony and you can do it all, but there's no Holy Ghost and there's no life. It means nothing. Absolutely nothing. you would be better sitting at home if there's no Holy Ghost here. Thank God he is. At thy presence, things happen. He says, mountains flow down. And he looks and he says, they flow down before, speaking generally of Exodus 19, when Moses was up the mount and God came down on the mount and the mountain shook and trembled at the presence of the Lord. It's like in Psalm 97 and verse 7 says, the hills melt like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. Or Isaiah 13 and 7. He talks about the Lord coming, the Almighty appearing. And he talks about the Lord coming, that the hearts of men melt at his presence. You see, this carnal tabernacle we dwell in, this life of death of the flesh that we live in, causes us to see with twenty-twenty vision and not in the eye of the Spirit, causes us to be masked, over our our, our thoughts and ideas that the Spirit would have us to believe. It causes us to live a life of carnality, and it causes us to live a life of fear in the flesh. It causes us to live a life of selfishness instead of living in the Holy Ghost according to His Word. And that is where we need to be, church. That is where we need to be. I detest my carnality. I'll say it again. I detest my carnality. I hate it. But when his spirit is near, I feel like I'm living. I'm alive. And you see, that's what happens to the unsaved when they come to Christ. They're living in carnality, dead in trespasses and sins, but regeneration of the Spirit. Imparted faith to them, and they start to live. They start to come alive unto God. The word here, presence, at thy presence, is the word ponim, ponim. There's also other words that are very akin to it that mean a face off also. You can have a face of a cliff. Or you can have the face of a a person. That's what it means, the face of. At thy face, the mountains flow down. At thy face, the nations will tremble. At thy face, they flow down before. At thy face. You see, the poneme is that part which turns. That's where it reads. You know when you stand, you go across the road, and you look one way, and then you look the other? Your face turns. See, God sees all. God knows all. But yet God, at times, he seems to concentrate in and show his face. You know those times when God is near and God shows up? That's the panim of God. Let me show you an example of this. Genesis chapter 32, verses 31, or sorry, 30 and 31. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel or Peniel. That's the same word, Peniel, Penuel, or Panim. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. Notice, for I have seen God Face to face, and my life is preserved. Here's Jacob wrestling with the angel of the Lord all night, and he says, I have wrestled with him, and I have seen him. upon him, I will call this place Peniel. So, the same meaning. This is where his presence came. This is where I met Jesus. This is where I met God and seen him. Can you imagine what that must have been like. Well, here's the thing. When you met Jesus, you had a great penile experience because he wrestled with you and he called you and he drew you and he brought his word to you. And eventually the dawn would break that he must go, but you said there's more to this Jesus than meets the eye and you had a Peniel Porname experience where you met Christ at the cross and you give him your sin and he took you in. i gotta, I got to hurry up here because of so much to tell you. Woe is me is a cry of uh, deprivation, the depraved nature before God. Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens is a cry of desperation. Notice what he says. Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Now, in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1, the prophet, he says, In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. He starts to tell us of this great vision. You see, Uzziah has died, the king of Judah. That's the southern kingdom. And he's dead, and, and now he sees the king of glory. For mine eyes have seen the king, he says. When I seen him, my life changed. When I seen Christ, my life changed. And until a man and woman realizes their depravity and their total need of Jesus, and they see him with the eye of faith through the word of God, oh winged by the Spirit of God, you will not change. But when you see the King, the Savior, your life will change. Notice this. He says, I am a man of unclean lips, and an angel comes, takes a live coal from off the altar, touches his lips. He says, This is a sign of his purging. Why his lips? Why his lips? We see King Uzziah, he was one of the better kings. He was quite a good king. But he died and he became full of leprosy. And if Second Chronicles chapter 26, if you let me just read it, you can go to it later at home. In Second Chronicles chapter 26, verses 19 and then into 21, it says of King Uzziah that leprosy even rose up in his forehead. Verse 21, he was a leper unto the day of his death. He was cut off from the house of the Lord. This king was cut off from the worship because of leprosy. This king, and he got leprosy, by the way, by disobeying God. So he had a sin, so leprosy was likened on the sin. It grew on his forehead, covers his face, so his lips are lepros. And here he says, I am a man of unclean lips. In other words, I'm like King Uzziah. And it comes and takes the coal, touches his lips, says, now you're purged from your sin. He says, I dwell in a people who are the same. We're all sinners, he says. So Isaiah sees his people as having unclean lips also, who are doomed to death. And Isaiah now contrasts the sinless king of verse 5, for mine eyes have seen the king, with the leprous king of verse 1, in the year the king Uzziah died. That's why Isaiah writes in Isaiah 1 and verse 18, speaking as an instrument of Almighty God. Notice, come thy. Let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wood. That's a nice gospel text that's used, and that's what it's for. But really, this gives the idea of coming to the priest to show lumps or growths or cuts or boils to see if they were leprous or not. And when they started changing color, the priest could tell it's leprosy, or it's been a, a some sort of a scab or a boil, and the color has changed. Now you've, you're have you cured of it or you're healed of it. You don't need to come back anymore. And that was the colors. That's what this is about. And Isaiah saying, see, as King Uzziah was, that's how I am in my sin. And the Lord says, well, since you're so scarlet, come to me and I forgive you. And I'll cleanse you. That's what he's saying here. Here's the thing, if a sinless seraphim in the presence of the Lord had to cover his face and his feet, how hopeless was it for a moral leper, a sinner such as Isaiah, to stand in the presence of the Lord? He cries, Woe is me, for I am undone. And now Isaiah cries with his unclean lips. He cries through his enlightened emptiness. He cries from his despairing depravity. And he cries, seeing his manifest mortality, Isaiah realized, hold on, I'm only a human, flesh and blood, and in the presence of God, he could consume me. Woe is me, for I am undone. Then he says, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You're listening well to me, so just let me gather your attention again. This is important now. I'm going to go into a little prof- prophecy maybe in a moment, time willing. I want you to get this before we go home. Listen to what Puritan Joseph Aliin says. And this is strong language, so forgive me, it's the Puritan. Blame him. He's already dead. You can't beat him up. You're okay. Listen to what he said about mankind. Listen to what he would say about our nation today. Oh, miserable man, what a deformed monster sin has made you God made you a little lower than the angels. Sin has made you little better than devils. Wow. And until our nation, and until our peoples, and until even the church, the individual sinner, sees who they are before God, they can never be saved. Because man thinks he's okay. Man goes to church. Man's not a bad lad. When really this is how God views us. Isaiah was in dawn. He was brought to silence. He had no defense nor argument, perishing feeling. He would cease to exist, cut down and cut off from God. He was doomed to death before the presence or before the face of Almighty God. Do you know when we worshiped here this evening? The sense of God came in and God ministered here. Do you know that's the Paul name of God? Maybe that will encourage some Christians to enter in when God is freely accessible in His immediate glory. That's the Paul name of God. That's like a man with a magnifying glass looking to see closer. That was like the Lord coming down to inspect Sodom. sure he could see from heaven, but he came down to inspect the poor name of God. The face of God comes closer. And when conviction comes to the heart of a man and a woman, that's the poor name of God. God said, I'm looking at you. I'm talking to you. The wonderful thing is, when you love Jesus, I mean, when you really love him, See his presence? You crave his presence. His presence is heaven to me. You crave his presence. His presence isn't fearful, it's beautiful. You crave him more and more. Look, if Isaiah shook before God and was undone, brought the silence, the doorposts moved at the voices even of the angels in the presence of God. The seraphims cover their faces and their feet. Job, Daniel, Isaiah, Peter, John, the one, other names. There's many there who fall before him, biblical characters who are held in high esteem in our eyes because they're mentioned in Holy Writ, and yet they fall before him, where does that leave us? Do you know how we stand? Through the blood of the Lamb and in the grace of God. It's the only way we could stand. See, if God was to move his grace or remove his grace from our lives, we'd never make it. It's all of him. Everything is of him. Everything is of him. From eternity past to eternity future, it's all of him. It's his doing. Now, Isaiah 64, when he cries, "All oh, that thy wouldest rend the heavens. The word rend really needs a look at here. The word rend is a Hebrew word, kara. And kara means to tear in pieces, to rend open to split asunder. To rend in pieces, to tear open, to split asunder. It doesn't mean like you get a little piece of paper and just rip it nicely. It gives the idea of a violence of tearing. Isaiah's crying, Lord, in violence as it were, in power, in glory, in majesty, in might and in strength, tear the heavens open and come down. Let me look at this word, off for rend, O thy wouldest rend the heavens. In 1 Kings chapter 11, 1 Kings chapter 11, Solomon has brought many false gods into Israel. Israel are still uh, 12 tribes together at this time. And the Lord has seen his, his spiritual idolatry and his spiritual adultery and is sitting before him. And the Lord comes and speaks to Solomon. 1 Kings chapter 11 and just briefly, uh, verse, just go to verse 11. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant, my statues which I have commanded thee, I will surely, notice, rend the kingdom, notice that, rend the kingdom from thee, and I will give it to thy servant, notwithstanding in thy days I will not do it for David thy father's sake, but I will rend it out of The hand of thy son. Howbeit, I will not rend away all the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to thy to the one tribe to thy son for David thy servant's sake and for Jerusalem's sake which I have chosen. That one tribe was Benjamin given to Judah. That's why the southern kingdom. Notice the prophecy here. God says, "This is who will tear away." I'm doing it, but this is who will tear away. And two tribes will be at the in the southern kingdom. There will be Judah from where the house of David comes, and there will be Benjamin, one tribe, given as a light before me. That's why Benjamin are called the light-bearing tribe. That's their nickname, the light-bearing tribe. And it's not a coincidence that all but Judas Iscariot And possibly Matthew or Levi, who sat at the receipt of custom, he was probably a Levite. But all the disciples from around Galilee was where Benjamin had settled. They all believed. Every one of them were Benjaminites. So was Apostle Paul. And why? They were the light-bearing tribe. They were those who went forth holding the word of life to the nations, going to seek and save the lost sheep. That's what they were doing. God's word is fantastic, and he means what he says, and he says what he means. But now, notice this. 1 Kings chapter 11, and let your eye run down, please, to verse 30. Here's a prophet, Ahijah, comes on the scene. Solomon's son, Rehoboam, has taken over, and Jeroboam well, will take over, in Jeroboam, he, they're having, a, he's a servant of Solomon. But listen to this. Verse 30, And Ahijah caught the new garment that was on him and rent it in twelve pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, Take ten pieces, for thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon, and will give ten tribes to thee. Notice that. The Lord sent Ahijah the prophet. Here's old Jeroboam. He's walking along, having a nice day. The prophet comes up, "Uh, Excuse me, Jeroboam. And he grabs him by the coat, and he rips it off his back. Can you imagine you walking up and somebody coming up to you and ripping your coat off your back? What do you think you're doing? He starts tearing the coat up, the garment up. Piece one, piece two, and the violence of it. Can you see him trying to rip the, the cloth? And there's another piece, and there's another piece. Ten pieces for you. But Judah and Benjamin, according to the word of the Lord, he says, you will not have. The idea is with power and even a strength, even in a violent manner, random. You see, nowadays, when we talk like that and say, "Oh, it's not politically correct," you've got to love everybody. So, sure if somebody's sinning, just don't bother them in case they leave the church. God says, I rented myself. And the two kingdoms were formed out of the 12 tribes, 10 tribes of the north and the two tribes of the south with a scattering of Levi. And then, notice this, Joel chapter 2 and verse 13. Here's what the Lord wants you and I to do Rend your heart, not your garment. Too many of us are wanting to tear our clothes to make a show? Lord, oh, I'm so holy before you. Hold on. Look at this, Lord. I'm rending my clothes. Here I am before you. God says, that's okay. I want your heart. Tear everything that is not of me away from you. He says, and come to me rend your heart and not your garment, and turn to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repenteth of him of the evil. In other words, God says, you turn to him. He is so gracious and kind that he'll just love you. Isn't that serious stuff? Isn't it? You see, we need to open these words up to get the full import of what they mean. Here's another one only it's a, a, a Greek word to correspond with it. It's the word schizo. It's found in Matthew 27 and verse 51. Jesus is on the cross of Calvary. And all things were now accomplished. He cried, it is finished. Your sin and sickness and mine was pit and fool. And the veil of the temple was rent. <laughs> From the top to the bottom, God came down in part and took that 40, some say 60 foot high veil, some say it was up to a half a foot thick, and took it from the top and he grabs hold of it, as it were, with his spiritual might, and he, he rips it in two. And the veil that separated God and man is no longer in Christ. Thank you for your attention. Give me a few minutes, I'm going to wrap up. I want to show you something that's a it's an eye-opener. It's an eye-opener. Speak of Israel here, but oh, the fire of Israel, we just waking up. If our nation would just turn itself around. Woe is me, for I am undone. Turn with me, please, if you, if you wish, to Hosea chapter 5. Hosea was a, a prophet to the northern kingdom. Northern kingdom can be called sometimes in scripture Joseph or Ephraim, Samaria, house of Israel. Israel. It can be called different names like that. Um, and that really means the whole of the ten tribes on the north. Let's just read a verse. Um, Hosea 5 and verse 13, he brings the southern kingdom into us also. Notice the two names. When Ephraim saw his sickness, that's a northern kingdom. When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah saw his wound, that's the southern kingdom, the house of Judah, then went Ephraim to the Assyrian and sent to King Jareb. Yet could he not heal you nor cure you of your wound? What was the wound like? Keep your finger in that, please, and go to the book of Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. I think I've written the right one down, but just have a look at it here. Um, sorry, I said chapter one. Pardon me. Say chapter one. If I can find the right verse. God, when your pastor can't even find the right verse, isn't it? Here we are, verse 4. That's it there. Notice what the Lord says over Israel. This is what the Lord would cry over Britain, United States, the Western world, especially at this time, who are meant to know better. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord, they have provoked the Holy One of Israel to anger. They have gone away backward. Why should you be stricken any more? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick, the whole heart faint. And from the sole of the foot, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. And they have not closed, been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Notice that. The Lord's saying, it's like an open sore, the sin. It's a stench before me. This nation is corrupt. He says it's like something that hasn't had ointment on it or tried to be cleansed. It's it's filthy, it's putrid right before me. That's what God is saying here. Now, when you go to Hosea chapter 5 and verse 13, this is what the Lord is saying then. Looking at their sickness of their sin. When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah saw his wound, then went Ephraim to the Assyrian. What does he mean, saw? The word here for saw... It's the word Ra'ah, Raha. And the word Ra'a is found well in Genesis 6 and chapter 6 and verse 12, it says, And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way on the earth. Do you know what it means? It means that Almighty God, when He seen violence cover the earth, and He told no there's going to be a flood to build the ark, it says that God came down at the time when He said, Now is the time of judgment when I will come down. And the word look is the same word as saw here. It's the word raha, and it means God looked intensely and deeply upon them. He sent the flood. It gives the idea to perceive, to have a vision, to view it, to present oneself, to consider, to gaze at, to find out, to cause, to see. Okay, that's what this word means. So when Ephraim saw his sickness. I close with this. Thank you for your attention. It's been tremendous. The word here in the Hebrew, when Ephraim saw Raha his sickness, there's a time through the preaching of the prophets and the manifestation of God's power and the temple and the glory of it, God shows himself in it. And Ephraim, or the house of Israel, now separated, going after other gods, no longer worshiping at Jerusalem, Their own kings are in Samaria. And all manner of things are happening in the land. And the word here is when he saw. In other words, there was a time when the people knew fine rightly they were wrong. Knew they were in sin. They got a good look at themselves, in other words. We have a wee saying here in Ulster, would you look at yourself? That's the idea of it. God says, would you look at yourself? That's the idea And they saw in the spiritual realm God's view of them. They saw their sickness. They realized militarily they were going to be defeated. Financially they were riding high, now starting to decline, for enemy was all around. They realized spiritually that they were worshipping everything but God, the one true living God. In other words, they saw their sickness and they still had a chance but refused God still had a chance, and they refused him. The word here, when Ephraim saw his sickness, the word ra'ah, the Greek equivalent of it is this. It's the word horeo. Okay, it's the word horeo. means, again, to discern, to see, to look one upon another, to look at each other and see what's happening. My goodness, look what's going on. Look at the way our nations went. Look at the collapse. Look at the greed. Look at the international bankers. See what I mean? Look, look at the, 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 the newspapers. Look at all that's happening. Look at the pornography everywhere. Look at the sin in our land. Look at the filthiness of the place. Look at the, the young people sick and in drugs. Look at how freely they're giving out to young people now. Look at our schools. Look at the way things are, aren't allowed to be brought in of the gospel anymore in most schools. Thank the Lord for we've done a clony one here. It still does. That's the idea. And they started looking and they started understanding. And it was Horeo when Ephraim saw its sickness. They ran to the Assyria and they went to other places instead of God. Here's the uppercut for you as we close. You know what the Latin word is? Raha is Hebrew. Horeo is the Greek. The Hebrew word is evadeo. Do you know what that word is? It's where you and I get the word video. A video. Now, do you ever go away on holiday and you have a video and you watch it when you come home? Who's 10 pounds heavier? Whose nose looks bigger? Mine always does. It really does. Maybe it is that size and I just don't realize it. Don't like what I see. Hear the sound of your voice. You don't like what you hear. Yeah, really look like that from the side, from the front, from behind. <laughs> it's not right. It's the idea. God says, This is who you are, Ephraim. And they refused. They ran to the Assyrians, said, Will you help us? Brought in other gods and then they took them away. And the same thing they put their trust in was the same people who carried them away captive. Oh, that I would have surrendered heavens, Lord. There's going to be a day when Christ returns and those heavens are going to be torn to pieces. It's nice when you talk about it being rolled back like a scroll. It gives the idea suddenly there will be a great whoosh. <laughs> the skies will be filled. But the coming of the Lord Draweth nigh. How would you stand before Him? God bless you. Thank you for your attention. It's been tremendous this evening. May God bless his word to our hearts. We're going to sing and we're going to go home. I'll tell you what we are going to do. We're going to sing a course and then we. uh, before you go, I want to give you one or two wee announcements because it's stay fresh in your mind because we have a lot on this week. We need you to try and remember it. And what we'll do is we'll also lift the offering. Sorry to do it. I meant to do it at the beginning and I just wanted to get straight into this. Gary, would you leave?